to come prepared because we're going to have a, a service for impartation. I like saying impartation because it confuses John. But we take that theme from scripture. In Hebrews, it says, I don't want to lay again the foundation of your faith. The basic doctrines. One of them is laying on of hands. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy. He says, fan into flame the gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. And Paul, Paul also writes to the Corinthians I want to come to you soon that I may impart some gift to you. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're, we're going to look at the scripture at the power of the Holy Spirit and about the Christian life and how we can walk in his anointing. And as we come to a close, we're going to give you the opportunity to have hands laid on you. And if you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, that you can be filled with His presence and His power. Amen? Amen. So I hope you came ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 22. Psalm chapter 22. I want us to look at two principles for the Christian life as it pertains to walking in the Spirit that we learn from this verse about the ways of God. So we're looking at one verse. It's a prayer it's of David if you read verse 1 and 2 it should sound very familiar because Jesus quotes this scripture from the cross my God, my God why have you forsaken me? why are you so far from saving me? from the words of my groaning Jesus says these words from the cross. But today I want us to look at verse 3. It's the cry of David's heart. God, I need you. Where are you? Why have you turned your back on me? And then in verse 3, he makes this statement about God. Yet you are holy. Enthroned on the praises of Israel. That's our verse for today. He tells us two things in this scripture about the nature of God. First of all, God is holy. And if you want to have a relationship with God, you have to pursue holiness. Now listen to me. This does not 
come before salvation. Because before you are saved, there is no holiness in your life. Before you're born again, your identity is as a sinner. But the day you are saved, Jesus makes you a new creation. Your identity is no longer sinner. God views you as righteous. And there's no sin that's held against you. At the day of judgment, when you're born again, Jesus, God sees you through the blood of Jesus. But this principle applies to our life today. Because even though God sees you as completely righteous, there's the practical matter of our daily life. The Bible tells us that we must be holy as our Father is And if today we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and his active presence in our life. Here's what I want you to know. His name is the Holy Spirit. So for you to attract him into your life. For you to live a life welcoming to his presence. You have to be holy. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, if you invite friends to your home, you invite them to have dinner and to spend time. You invite people who have interests that you have. People who you enjoy being around. Maybe if you're into football and you're, you're a big fan of Arsenal and the Arsenal game is coming on TV. You don't invite friends to watch the game if they hate football. They would rather go to a symphony. They're not going to enjoy it. And you're not going to enjoy your time together. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is interested in holiness. He wants nothing to do with sin. And so to invite him into our lives, we must pursue holiness. Now here's the good news. When the Holy Spirit comes, He empowers you for holy living. Historically, there have been two views of the Holy Spirit. And being baptized in His Spirit. As many of us have a Pentecostal background, we understand that the baptism of the Spirit is about giving us power to release gifting in our life. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But there's another view that goes back before Pentecostal churches existed. It comes from the founders of Methodists. If there was a group that were called holiness and what they believed about the baptism of the Spirit is that when the Spirit comes He 
sanctifies you. Yeye anakufanya usafi. And he gives you the ability to live without sin. Na anakupa nguvu za kuishi pasipokuwa na dhambi. To live a holy life. Kuishi maisha matakatifu. I believe the Holy Spirit does both of these things. Ninaamini kwa Roho Mtakatifu anafanya haya mambo yote mawili. First he comes in. Jambo la kwanza anapoingia. To make you holy. Yeye akufanya mtakatifu so that you're attractive to his his ways. Ili ukaweze kuwa wakuvutia katika njia zake. Then he releases power. The apostle Peter writes in his letter. Not to give a foothold to the devil. You give a foothold to the devil when you live in sin. Because when you were born again, the devil was cut off. His power over you was broken. But when a Christian opens the door to sin, the devil steps in. But the same passage of scripture. They commands us do not give foothold to the devil. Also tells us do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When a Christian willingly sins. We grieve the Holy Spirit. And when he's grieved. It seems as though he withdraws. We know he will never leave us. But when we live in sin. It becomes difficult for us to experience his presence. Because sin hurts the heart of God. This is why the apostle Paul commands the church be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you read in the Greek, it's not a one-time command. But it's a command for the present. And it's an active command. Meaning right now. In this moment. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow when you wake up. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't just happen one time. Now there is a time. When you're baptized in the Spirit, and He comes in power, but you have to steward His presence to continually be filled. And my challenge is that we do that through holiness. When we consecrate ourselves to the Lord every day and we tell Him, God, today I will live a life that's pleasing to you, that's welcoming to you. Will you keep your presence with me? Help me be holy and fill me with power. When we live that kind of life, we can't go wrong. His name is Holy Spirit. And so he's attracted to holy living. He's attracted to people who give themselves to him. So I hope that's your heart today. And I want us to look at the second part of this scripture. The Bible says in Psalm 22, verse 3, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. God is attracted to holy people. But we want more than him to be attracted to our lives. Every week since I've been here, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the place 
where God's rule is in charge. I've told you before the word kingdom means the king's domain. You are in the kingdom of God when you are under his power and authority where he is king. But here's what I want you to see. A king to release his power sits on a throne. It's the place of his authority. Where he makes his commands and his decrees. And this tells us something very interesting about God's throne. God's throne is the praise of his people. So here's what I want you to see. Holiness attracts him. But to release his power, we have to be a people of worship. Because worship does not just attract him, but worship changes the atmosphere. Power of God can be released. I want you to know something. I want to commend our sister Faith. When I see her leading worship, I can see something burning inside her. The same is true with Sister Lucy. Now I want to thank our sister who came today to help. But you saw when we were worshiping today, when we were singing, and not just saying the words, but when our hearts were drawn into what we were singing, that the atmosphere in this room changed. It's not just because there's good music, it's because God is coming in to sit on the throne. And he's ready to release his power. But I want you to know something about worship. Yes, worship includes singing. Offering our praises to God. But worship is more than what we do on Sunday mornings. The Christian life has to be marked by worship. Worship must be your primary activity in life. Even more than evangelism. Even more than serving. Let me tell you why. On the day of judgment, when our bodies are changed, and we go to live with God forever, there's no more evangelism. There's no more serving one another. But the one activity that we're going to do forever is to worship God, to explore His greatness to experience his power and as he reveals himself to us in eternity it's going to give us more and more reason to worship I want you to know something heaven is not going to be like the cartoons you watch on TV you are not going to spend eternity sitting on a cloud playing a harp how boring is that 
The reason God is giving us eternal life is because it will take all of eternity for Him to reveal to us His greatness and His glory. It goes on forever. And so worship is when we get a glimpse of His glory and we, we cannot help but to admire him to lift him up to praise him that's worship it's not a song from our mouth but it's the cry of our heart of how worthy God is how great is his glory and how much do we need him in our lives and so worship should consume us you know most mornings I wake up with a song coming to mind I used to think it's just a song that would be stuck in my head but I've come to believe that when I wake up with a song it's because the Holy Spirit is leading me to worship He's setting me on my course for the day You've seen my seven year old Marley That girl is crazy and, and sometimes she gets in trouble but you want to know what I admire about my daughter is almost all day long she's worshipping God this morning she was in the restroom and I'm telling her the car is here we have to go hurry up but from the restroom I hear her little voice singing to God when she's sitting by herself even if she's sitting and reading a book she's humming Praise songs. At night, we cannot get her to go to bed. We tell her, go bathe. You have 10 minutes. You have to get in bed. We hear her in the bathroom singing worship to God. 10 minutes goes by. Marley, are you finished? No, I haven't washed yet. Because she's just singing. She's always singing. Even our younger daughter. We named her Harper. Harper comes from Revelation. The word harper is someone who plays the harp. And the book of Revelation says, I heard the sound of many waters. And the sound that I heard was the harpers playing a new song to the Lamb. We named her that as a prophetic declaration that she's created for worship. But this is what I want you to see. From the moment you're born again for the rest of eternity you're a worshiper you have to learn to worship God 
when you're washing dishes when you're doing laundry when you're walking to work when you're doing your business it should be an act of worship Lord I thank you you're washing clothes I thank you that in your goodness you've provided clothing for my family. I worship you for your provision for your grace. When you're standing in your business every time a customer walks away Father I worship you for your favor in giving my business success the whole of the Christian life should be worship and if it marks your life if your home is a place of worship if your business is a place of worship what you are doing is giving God a throne that he can come in and release the kingdom release his power release miracles if every person in this church lived a private life of worship then what happens when we come together on Sunday morning and all of us for the whole week have been worshipping then when we come to this place and the musicians take their place and the prayers are being offered it won't take us so much time trying to feel the Holy Spirit and get in the mood for worship. But when we come together in this place, it becomes an overflow. Because we've been worshiping all week. And we've seen the power of God. And so when we come together, when we ask for testimonies, they won't be small testimonies. I just want to thank God because I had a headache and he took my headache. No, in the worship as we're sitting in the throne room we're going to have powerful testimonies. This week I was worshiping as I was doing laundry and my neighbor knocks on my door to see how the day was going. And they were overcome by the power of God. They rested in God's spirit until they couldn't stand it. And they were born again. Their son was delivered from alcohol. The blind person received them. Those are the testimonies of people who live in the throne room of God. As I've studied angels, there seems to be a theme from most scholars, from most, most biblical teachers. Uh, most biblical teachers believe that angels receive their power from sitting in the throne room of God in his presence. So they talk about when Jacob saw the stairway to heaven. He said, I saw the angels ascending and descending. Most people I've read believe when the angel descends, he's coming with a commission. But when his work is finished, he has to ascend back to the throne room to sit in the presence of God like a battery. 
a battery in your phone that is getting recharged worship gives God a throne and when he sits on the throne you get filled and his power goes out yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of your people these two things have to mark our lives because when we pursue holiness he comes in and fulfills his holiness he makes us holy and when we worship and give him a throne his spirit comes in and releases the kingdom of God with signs and wonders and miracles. Here's what I want you to know today about the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not given just for the leaders. He was not given just for pastors or for apostles or for the first disciples. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the church to empower us, all of us, until Christ comes again. Until he returns. I want you to look in Acts chapter 1 at the final words of, of Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. It says, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They're looking for a kingdom. They're looking for the power of God. Is it time for your kingdom to come? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His authority. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight while they're standing gazing into heaven an angel comes it says while they were gazing into heaven as he went Behold, two men stood beside them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus told them, he said, you stay in Jerusalem. You wait. You pray. You worship. But you don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. See, the day is coming when Jesus will fully establish his kingdom. When the glory of the Lord 
will overcome the whole world. As the waters cover the sea. He says it's not for you to know the day. That that's coming. But he tells them this. I love this. It's not for you to know the day the kingdom will come. But while you wait, you will receive the kingdom power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Those 12 men and maybe the multitudes who were with them did not reach the ends of the earth. This was a promise to the church. But look at Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they had been waiting. They were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance I want you to imagine this they're sitting in a room just like this praying waiting on God asking for the Holy Spirit for the power that God promised and suddenly a wind rushes through the room it says it came from heaven and then these little flames of fire appear and it says this fire came and rested on each one remember what John prophesied when he baptized Jesus he said he, that the one who the, he saw the dove descending on would be the anointed one of God and then he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire they saw the fire of God come they felt the Holy Spirit come as a wind and it changed the course of history not long before this Peter was denying Jesus but right after this Peter is in the street filled with power preaching the gospel of the kingdom before he was a coward and now he's bold we see him point his fingers in the face of the Pharisees this Jesus who you crucified and who God raised from the dead it's the same man a couple of weeks before saying I never knew him I don't know the man cursing but the Holy Spirit came and it changed everything this week I finished reading a book about the Azusa Street Revival in California in 1906 it was a revival that lasted for three and a half years. But it started the Pentecostal denomination. And the Assembly of God denomination. 
makutano ya Mungu na wengine it started when a group of people ilianza kwa sababu ya makundi fulani ya watu sat together praying with the holy spirit walikaa pamoja na kuomba roho mtakatifu wa Mungu ashuke and he came And this book was filled with so many testimonies. Of power and healing. Of miracles. But this is what I love about this story. The presence of God remained in the warehouse where they were meeting. Just as in the days of Egypt. When he led them out with the pillar of cloud. And the pillar of fire. All of these stories of Azusa Street. Said the room was filled with the cloud kuwa lile lile nyumba ilikuwa imejawa na 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 wingu sometimes it was so thick na wakati mwingine lilikuwa limeshikamana sana that the children children were playing hide and seek in the cloud ya kuwa watoto walikuwa wanacheza mchezo wa kujificha kwa lile wingu na uwepo wa Mungu in the presence of God katika uwepo wa Mungu some of these people who were touched said sometimes the cloud filled the room and sometimes it just covered the floor they said when it covered the floor we would lay down in the presence and it was like breathing pure oxygen You know these these young people who were in Azusa Street. Who were 15 to 20 years old. They were sharing their stories in the 1960s. And they were sad. Not because the revival ended. Because they were still seeing healings even up to that time. But they were grieved. Because the presence of God the Shekinah glory the cloud had not been seen. The other stories of Azusa Street. Where how many times? At night, the fire department was called. Because people standing in the streets saw flames coming out of the building. But the building wasn't burning. It was this fire of God that was resting on the place. They had the cloud. They had the Holy Spirit's presence. And they had the fire. I want you to know that since Azusa Street, these same things are still happening. There are church services where the glory cloud comes. There are church services in various places in the world where the fire of God is igniting the building. Just like it did at Pentecost. But it starts when the people of God are so hungry for a touch so hungry to see revival come to have the Holy Spirit come into their lives to fill them with the power of God and to rest in them in them church my desire for this place 
and for Sozo Ministries is that we would be a people who carry the fire of God who live our lives pursuing the Holy Spirit living in holiness saying there's nothing that the devil can do that's going to hold me back because I need his presence and then live our lives worshiping and praising God making a place for him to rest asking him to come to fill us up and to do something with us because I don't just want a good church service I want us to be a people who are baptized in the spirit who are equipped with the word every place our foot touches we're claiming it for the kingdom of God that no life that we encounter is left without a touch of God our mission is to restore the world one life at a time it means when we meet somebody and they don't know Jesus it's an encounter for the Holy Spirit to come mess them up let me tell you about when the Spirit messed me up and then we're going to go to prayer when I was in Bible college I went to a college that was very gifted in the word of God and I'm so thankful for the foundation they gave me but it was a denomination that did not believe in the power of God that the Holy Spirit still did those things today. They taught us that what we read in the book of Acts was just for the first Christians, for the twelve apostles, but it doesn't continue. And while I was studying, and I was learning so much, I began to have something turn because I'm studying the scriptures but my life is not showing what the scriptures show and I began reading and there's two verses one verse says that if you know the truth the truth will set you free Jesus took that teaching and he said that if the son shall make you free you will be free indeed now I'm learning the truth and I'm born again but I'm not feeling freedom and so I covered the wall of my dormitory with little pieces of paper that said free indeed and a question mark there's another verse that said I have come that they might have life and life abundant and I'm praying God I don't know what abundant life is but I'm not experiencing and so on my wall it said abundant life with a question mark all over the wall free indeed abundant life because it was my prayer you see, I have a problem with any pastor that teaches that Christianity is only for your knowledge but not for your experience. Because the Bible says, taste 
and see that the Lord is good. You don't taste with your mind only. You don't see with your mind only. Your mind has a part. But it takes an experience. And so I began praying. God, I want more. I want everything you have. And I don't know what it looks like. But you have to do something. We went home for Christmas. For the school break. And my grandma began telling me stories. Of when she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Of her speaking in tongues. My other grandma is telling me stories of healing. How when she was a young girl, she had appendicitis. The doctor said there's nothing we can do. She'll probably die. Her sister took her to the barn. To the, the where the animals stay. She laid hands on her, and she was instantly healed. So I'm hearing these stories from my family. We come back to college, and my good friend Bobby, who is now the vice president of Sozo Ministries. He begins telling me stories of what happened over holiday. They received prophecies for his family. They couldn't be wrong. He saw his grandparents healed. All of these things that we're reading in scripture. He's experienced. And both of us are saying we have to have this battle. We have to have this So we began praying more than ever. Now our dormitories had two bedrooms that shared a bathroom. One night my roommates asleep. The people in the other bedroom are asleep. So I'm sitting on the side of the bathtub. Praying. Most of the night. Till three or four in the morning. I don't know. And I'm praying for the baptism of the Spirit. I'm saying, God. I don't know what it looks like. But I know some people pray in tongues. So Holy Spirit, would you baptize me? And let me speak in tongues. As a sign. Now, I'll say this. I do not believe tongues is the only sign of the Holy Spirit. I know Pentecostals believe that. I don't think it agrees with Scripture. Tongues is not the only sign of baptism. But it is one sign. And so I'm praying. And then I get quiet. I said, okay, God. I'm waiting. And my tongue begins moving in my mouth. I closed my mouth. I said, that's weird. God, was that you? So I wait. My tongue starts moving again. Okay, God, I'm asking. I want you. I want this gift. My tongue began moving. And as I put words to it, I began speaking in tongues. A week later, Bobby 
He's part of our ministry. I'll tell his story too. He's laying in his bed. And it was bunk beds, the, the two level beds. His brother's laying on top. And Bobby's praying. Holy Spirit baptized me. And let me speak in tongues. And he's praying in his head. And the Holy Spirit says, Praise me out loud. Worship. He doesn't. He says, God, Tommy's asleep. His brother's asleep. I don't want to disturb him. But God, I need you. Baptize me with the Spirit. God says, Praise me out loud. He tells his brother. Tommy, I think I'm supposed to praise God out loud. Tommy says, do it. But talk to God, not to me. I'm trying to sleep. But he still didn't do it. Finally, he says, okay, God, I'll praise you out loud. And he starts worshiping God. And as he worships, he's filled with the Spirit. And begins speaking in tongues. A month later, we meet a Nigerian pastor in Dallas, Texas. He invites us to his revival meeting. He says, there's going to be signs and wonders and deliverance and miracles. And we're going, wait, what? We don't know what to expect. But we go. Now I had seen Benny Hinn on television. When he would move his hand, people falling down. I thought it was a joke. I spoke against that thing. But we go to this revival meeting. And as they're praying for people, people are falling down. I tell Bobby, I'm not playing this game. I will not follow He said, me either. So then they come to pray for us. The, evan- the guest evangelist is praying. Holy Spirit, I pray for these Bible college students that their knowledge of your word would exceed their professors. And that their experience in the power of God would be greater than our generation has seen. While he's praying this prayer, I received my first impartation. Because up to this time, I was struggling to learn the Bible. I was trying. But I struggled. But since that time, the Bible's made sense. I can understand things that are hard to understand because of the Holy Spirit. And the power of God has followed us. But this is what happened. The evangelist is praying that prayer. While he's praying, the pastor comes, lays his hand on Bobby's shoulder, says, Holy Spirit, you come like a rushing wind. When you feel Bobby, and he blew on Bobby's face. Bobby's laying in the floor. I looked at this. I shook my head. I said, God, I'm not playing. The next thing I know, I feel the pastor's hand on my shoulder. He said, Holy Spirit, come. 
Next thing I know, I'm laying on the floor. And everything in me says, This is bad. I'm trying to get up. But I'm stuck. I look over, Bobby's still laying on the floor. And at that point, I feel the presence of God. I'm telling you, the church was empty. They were stacking chairs. Sweeping the floor. We're still laying there. We can't move. But God did something. This has happened two other times. The next time it happened, I had been living in Haiti. I had been praying for the sick every week. Nobody's getting healed. I've told you this story already. But, but for those who didn't hear it, I went to a conference with Dr. Randy Clark. Randy Clark. Whenever he begins praying for people to receive a touch from God, he invited evangelists and missionaries on stage. I'm standing like this. He just puts his finger in my hand. Said, I bless you in Jesus' name. And I fell. Even right now, I can feel the presence of God as I'm sharing the story. I laid on the stage for two hours. The next week, I came to southern Sudan. And the first person I saw healed was a blind man who got his sight back. And people have been getting healed since. The last time I received an impartation, it was by a man named Dr. Tom Jones. He was praying from a stage. And I'm standing down lower. I have my hands raised. He comes by, he grabs my right hand. And he's just praying. He has my right hand and someone else's left hand. But when he moves, he grabs my left hand and the next person's hand. As soon as he touched my left hand, I was thrown to the ground. And I'm shaking like this. <laughs> Yeah, you think it's funny. <laughs> My shoulder is slamming into the floor. It was a cement floor. With a thin carpet over it. And my shoulder is banging. And I'm going, God, I want whatever you have. But when an hour goes by, and everyone has gone to dinner, and I'm still doing this, I'm looking at the clock, going, God, I want your power, but I'm tired, this hurts, please let it stop, so it starts slowing down. I'm sitting there like this. There's one other old woman laying in the floor. And she's so drunk in the Holy Spirit. She can't stand up. She's just laughing. And she looks at this other young lady who was ministering to her. She, she sits up. She says, I'm cold. I'm hungry. And I just want to get off of this floor. But I can't. <laughs> and she falls back down laughing. 
I saw this and I'm still doing this but when I saw it I laughed the young girl who had been ministering to her reaches over to me puts her finger on my forehead and says more Lord as soon as she said more Lord Another 30 minutes goes by. It's time for the evening session. It was slowing down. The worship team came on stage. I'm thinking, God, let me get to my seat. The guitar player hits one chord. As soon as he plays, it starts again. The whole worship service. And since that time, what God was speaking to me during that was that he was raising me up a warrior against the powers of the devil. And since that time, I've seen so much success in deliverance ministry. This is what I want you to see. We can live the Christian life. We can be good people. Trying to live by the Bible. But if we want to do the things the Bible says we should be doing, we need the Holy Spirit. We need His touch. We need His power. And so today we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to touch you. We're going to ask Him to have His way in this room. Some of you have been baptized in the Spirit for many years. But today, He can give you fresh fire. Some of you have never experienced it in your life. But if you're born again, it's for you. Some of you need healing in your bodies. And God wants to heal you. He's waiting on you to receive. Some of you have problems with demons tormenting you. And He wants to chase them away today. I believe God wants to do something in this place. If you're ready to receive. So I want to invite you to stand. And I'm just going to give you a few minutes. I'm not leading in this. I'm going to give you just like two minutes. And I want you to begin to pray. If you are hungry for God. If you want His touch. If you want His power. I want you to tell Him what you need in your life. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to come and touch you today to release His kingdom power over you to heal your sicknesses whatever need you have today I want you to begin to pray and to invite Him and as He begins to move then we're going to start praying we're going to start laying hands pray to him if you can pray in tongues pray in tongues if you just need to worship begin to worship but invite his presence I don't want anyone looking around I want you seeking your father 